Um, concluded uh, today a, uh, a class that I uh, was leading during the Sunday school hour, a why and what class on kind of who we are as the tribe. And I had, I, I thought this was clever. You know, sometimes I come up with things and I'm like, good job, TJ. That's really clever. You know, well, it's not as clever as I thought, but I said, you know what? I'll do three classes. I'll do a class on um, who, who the tribe is and where we've come from. Okay, so the past. I'll do a class on who the tribe is presently, and so there I would talk about how we do things here at the church. And it's more just bric-a-brac than anything else kind of thing. You know, this is how we, um, uh, you know, this church government, if you will, but it's not really that. It's, it sounds bigger than it is. We're, we're really more tribe and family here than anything else. So I had past, I had present, and then today was going to be uh, who we are as a tribe and where we're going future. See, past, present, future. Uh, uh, uh. Yeah, okay. It wasn't that impressing anyway. So, so but, but it's hard though when in talking about uh, where the, the Lexington tribe is going and I, I really wrestled with it this week because the more I really was honest with myself about where we're going, it's hard to say where we're going because the waters that we're swimming in right now in life in general are just so much different than how I grew up and how I thought my life was going to be. Anyone with me on that? You know what I'm saying? And so what is the tribe going to look like 5, 10, 15 years from now? I got no clue. I got no clue. So really more than anything, today was talking about where does it seem like the Lord is leading the church? And not just this tribe, but, but the church in general. Where is he leading his bride? And that's not a bad place to be. I mean, it's just a scary place in some ways. If you're a control freak like me, okay, it's unsettling. But, but the problem with being a control freak is when I take control, it's not usually a good thing. I've learned that when I give control over to him, things tend to work out a lot better. Are you with me on that? So, so in saying where we're going from here, I kind of just fell back on uh, something that we haven't done in, in over a year, which is talk about the mission and the vision of the Lexington tribe. And, and this came out of um, a group that got together several years ago and said, okay, who are we as the church here in Lexington, Lexington, Ohio, you know, Richland County and expanded tomorrow and, and out from there. Who, who are we and what are we about? So that little group got together and we really hammered into, um, into the scriptures. We hammered into uh, asking the Holy Spirit, what do you want from us? Where do you want us to go? And we came up with a, a mission, mission vision statement, I guess, if you will. You know, I, this was in the years when everybody had mission statements and vision statements, you know. And what I like about it, though, is several years later when I look at it, I say, hey, it still fits. That's how I think we knew we, we kind of got it right in listening to the Lord. That's why the banners are back up, okay? Because that's our mission and vision statement. We here as the church in Lexington are here to share the hope of Jesus. Okay, that's the umbrella. That's what we're about. We do it through serving God, loving people, building relationships, and changing lives. Now, that sounds really good, doesn't it? Yes, TJ, that sounds really good, okay? How does that work out? Well, that's, that's, the, that's the thing. That's the thing, okay? 
So, so I want to look at some of these pieces of this mission, vision, statement. Really, it's just who we are. And all of this stuff is not just who we are, it's, it's who we are as sons and daughters as well. It really is. This is no-brainer. It's just gleaning our identity and putting in a written form. But like this first part here, the word hope jumped out. Even several years ago, the word hope. Because I, I think hope is almost a hook for people. Because we live in a day, even several years ago, but increasingly more, that is getting less hopeful. Less hopeful. Anybody here hopeful about the 2020 election? <laughs> a couple of you are. Okay, okay. I was speaking with a brother this past week, and he said, you know, I'm just sick and tired of picking the lesser of two evils. Anybody understand what I'm talking about here? It feels like we're getting into dark waters, but that's not necessarily the case. It's not, especially as we look at what Jesus is doing in the bride today. Uh, it was said to me several years ago, and it really resonates in the back of my head, the shadows seem to be getting darker, but it's because the light is shining brighter. The shadows seem to be getting darker, but it's because the light is shining brighter. But it's not my light, right? If I try and make it my light, it's going to dim out. It's got to be a light different from mine, greater than mine. That's where we want to go today. I want to look into Romans, the fifth chapter. I want to go to the book of Romans to talk about hope this morning because if there was a book in the Bible that talked about hope. It's the book of Romans. And I think this is very appropriate because the church in Rome was possibly the least hopeful place to be. It was the seat of the Roman Empire at uh, the height of the power of the Roman Empire. And it was starting to come down hard on, well, here was the issue. Uh, back in the day, um, the Roman Empire allowed freedom of religion, provided it was a recognized religion of the empire. Religio licita, right? A legal religion. And so it was a big deal when Christianity spread. Uh, sprang up because if it just springs up, then it is not a legal recognized religion and the Romans would persecute it. Okay? If it was determined to be um, an outcrop of Judaism, for instance, okay, which is the spiritual heritage of Christianity, then it would be considered legalized religion. Well, it's a tough one for Christians, right? Because uh, are we an outcropping of Judaism? we would say, no, no, we're a fulfillment of Judaism. So are we the same? No. Are we different? Well, no, not, not necessarily either because we stand on their shoulders. We are grafted in to the people of God in the old covenant. So it gets kind of, you know, how do you sit there and debate? Well, here's the thing about the Romans. They were pragmatists. If it worked, they kept it. If it didn't work, they jettisoned it. It's why their military ran so well. If it worked, they kept it. If it didn't, they jettisoned it, right? And when it came to this 
debating back and forth between the Christians and the religious leaders in the Jewish culture. Back and forth, the Romans were like, you know what, forget it. We're just going to say, not recognized, and you can't do it. And that's where the tides were headed in Rome when Paul writes this letter to the Romans. So he's writing it to a group of people that are seeing dark times on the horizon. In knowing that, the Holy Spirit gives to them exactly what they need. And what they needed was hope in Jesus Christ. So we come to the fifth chapter here of this wonderful book written to the Christians in Rome. And Paul says this, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this is kind of neat. I actually appreciate your pew Bibles here um, because if you'll notice in your pew Bible, it says justified through faith, we, and if you, if you have, oh, I'm getting old. You know, I ha- could hardly even see the little footnote there. But if you notice, if you, have, if you take your, your spectacles off and you squint really hard, you'll see that there is a footnote there, right? Everybody see that in the pew Bible? So it says, we, and then if you go down to the footnote, it's going to tell you that here in verse 1 and in verse 2 and in verse 3, you're going to come across with this we word, but some manuscripts say, let us, let us. Do you understand the significance in the difference there? One of them says, we have peace with God. The other one says, let us have peace with God. So on the one hand, you have something you already have. On the other hand, you need to make an effort to get it. We let us. I, I know this is grammar and I'm already losing you, okay? But can you at least get with me to this point, okay? Because this is really significant here, folks. This is nothing more practical in your life than this right here. Because are you ready for this? It's not an either or. It's a both and. The reality of our position in Jesus Christ, the reality of God's love for us and us in that love, the reality of being a son and a daughter of the Most High in Jesus Christ means I have peace, period. I have joy. I have love. All the fruit of the Spirit when we get to Galatians, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, faithfulness, goodness, all those fruit are yours. You have them, okay? So we have peace with God. Ah, but there's a difference between having something and using it. You with me on that? It's the difference between having something and actually enjoying it. I got lots of junk at home that I have. You know what makes me feel really bad is when I have someone over and, you know, I'm a tool guy. Any, some of you tool guys, okay? You have tools in your shop. You haven't used them in years. But, you know, someone comes over and that's the tool they need. You know what I mean? And it always makes me feel weird when you have something that someone else values and you're like, I didn't even really realize that I had something that, that cool. You with me on that? You following me here? There's a difference between having it and using it. 
tapping into it. This here is a position that we have. We come to God and we receive it from him. But folks, you have to use it. You have to exercise it. You have to step into it. I think this is what is frustrating for, um, for us inside, uh, inside Jesus and even outside Jesus. I really believe the, that people outside Christ scratch their heads when they look at, at me sometimes. They say, TJ, you claim to have all this peace and this joy and this patience and this kindness. Where is it? Why don't I see it? And it's frustrating for me. I'm supposed to have all this stuff. Where is it? Why don't I see it? God has given it to me. You have to claim it. You have to utilize it. You have to, and the, and the, I don't want to get down a dark rabbit hole here, but you have to take authority in your life. If you are not a kind and gentle person, it's not God's fault. If there is no joy in your life, it's not God's fault. If you have a tough time loving people, anyone? Okay. If you have a tough time loving people, it is not God's fault. Now, he's not up there taking score. He's up there saying, let me help you. See, he's a good father. He's a good father. Let me help you. Let me help you. You know, sometimes I think he's a... He doesn't get frustrated. He's eternally patient. He's, he's so good, our father. is so good, right? So I know he doesn't get frustrated, but it's hard for me as a father to think of him not getting frustrated when I'm trying to help my kids and they're, nope, I'll do it on my own, dad. I'll do it on my own, you know? Not pointing fingers, but I had a certain little girl this morning who was trying to zip up the back of her dress and all she needed was, let, let, me, let me help. Nope, I can do it. I can do it. Well, you're going to go to church with no zipped up dress if you keep doing it on your, finally, she says, okay, help, you can help me, dad. God says, come on, let me help you, let me help you, okay? And this is infinitely practical because how do we let God help us? The beginning and the end always start in the same place at the foot of the cross of Jesus, okay? You come to the cross of Jesus and you say, Lord, I need help. I'm finally at a place where I recognize I have a hard time loving people, where I don't have joy in my life, where I have no self-control. I need help, Lord. You come to the cross of Jesus and he says, okay, we'll, we'll get started. I'm here for you. Have peace. Let us have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Sorry, don't, don't want to rabbit hole too much on this, but sometimes we make this bigger than it needs to be, the have faith part, okay? Good churchy word, good churchy phrase, have faith in Jesus. What does that really mean, TJ? What does it mean? Just this past summer, someone said to me, you know what it means? Um, because I, I, I was there, they were praying over me, and I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm weeping, I'm broken, I'm just, and, and they're praying over me, and, and they said, what is it, TJ? And I said, man, I've got this situation in my life, and I, I don't know what to do. I can't do it. I can't beat it. I don't have the willpower. I don't have the wisdom, whatever it is. And they said, they said, do you want it, TJ? I said, yes, I want it. Do you believe, TJ? Yes, I believe. And they said this, you ready for this? They said, God takes that yes. God 
takes your yes to him. What is faith in Jesus? Folks, it is simply saying yes to Jesus, okay? Don't make it hard. Don't overthink it, okay? You say yes, and God says, I will take that. I will take that. Through, through whom we have gained access by faith, by saying yes, into this grace in which we now stand. And we let us boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we let us also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. Man, there's... Uh, you know, there's uh, uh, verses in the Bible that we really want to put up on our wall. You know, they make good bumper stickers, uh, good t-shirts. You know, uh, some of the younger kids, you know, might get a tattoo of this verse, you know, whatever. There are certain verses you get, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Ooh, that sounds, you know, good. That's really good. There. No one gets this verse tattooed. No one gets... Glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, character, hope. I am not endorsing tattoos. <laughs> not at all. What I am endorsing is truth, because it doesn't help us to sell a bill of goods to the world to promise things that aren't true, to promise that, hey, if you say yes to Christ, all of a sudden life's going to be easy. If you say yes to Christ, then he's not going to, I love what Amanda said, not going to give you more than you can bear. He won't, he won't let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But it doesn't say anything. Folks, anybody with Amanda on that when she read that this morning? Anyone have more than you can handle? If you don't have more than you can handle, I wonder if you know, how is your faith? How is your yes to Jesus? Folks, the way I read this is when someone says yes to Christ, he sets them free and then gives them a whole lot more than they can handle. Do you know why he does that? It's, it's, it makes perfect sense when you think about it. Because someone that says yes to him and now has more than they can handle is going to let him handle it. You with me on that? People that are doing it in their own strength, he, he doesn't give them more than they can handle because they can't handle even that. It's going to crack them, right? But to those of us who have said yes to him, we know where to go. We know where to go. We glory in our sufferings because suffering produces perseverance. The word there for perseverance is endurance, if you will. But it's not the dentist kind of endurance. Everyone here have jacked up teeth like me, have to go to the dentist. My wife, God bless her, she has good teeth, didn't go to the dentist for years because missionary's kid. Then she goes to the dentist, no cavities. I go, I brush, I floss, I don't smoke or chew or go with girls that do, you know? And every time, I mean, it's a train wreck in there. She just smooth sailing. So some of you won't get this. Perfect teethers, you won't get this right? But every time I go to the dentist, I know it's going to be an endurance. I'm going to get the shot. Well, I'll get, the, I'll get the, the smear that doesn't really numb your mouth, but they tell you it does. I think it's all a farce. I'm just going to give you something really bad tasting 
to make you think that it's working. It's the placebo effect. And then they're going to stick the needle in, and the needle's not even the worst part. Oh, I don't mean to get graphic. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. But that drill... Anybody know the drill noise? What do you do at the dentist? You just suck it up and endure it. Like literally, my brain is don't bite down. Don't bite down. Don't bite down. Not, not good enough for sons and daughters. When it comes to going through suffering, Not biting down is not good enough. We have the ability in Jesus to thrive. It won't look like what you think. It won't look like what you think. It won't look like, oh, you're taking the bull by the horns and you're just plugging through it and you got it all figured out. In fact, thriving in Christ Jesus in the middle of suffering oftentimes looks, I need help, Lord. I need help. I need help. It looks open. It looks raw. Sometimes it doesn't look very pretty, but it looks real because it's real. Perseverance produces character, character, hope. Character, again, I'd love to give you a nice good story about Athens and coin making and integrity and all this good stuff. Let me just suffice it to say that in in this letter here, this word for character means you're consistent. How about that? What does consistency look like for a son and a daughter of God? It's kind of like this whole idea of godliness. What does godliness look like? What, what does a godly man and a godly woman look like? And, and I used to think that a godly man and a godly woman looked like, well, they did everything right and they knew what to do, okay? And so I always wanted Sunday school teachers and preachers and, and you know, to, to, they lived perfect lives and they knew all the answers. And then I realized something, not, not real, There's no one that lives perfect. There's no one that has all the answers. So wait a second, Lord, what does a godly person look like? You ready for this? This isn't from me. It's from somebody else. I stole it, okay? But I liked it. So I'm stealing it and giving it to you. A godly man and a godly woman is someone who consistently runs faster and faster to the cross. Okay? So you mess up. You go to the cross as fast as you can. The next time you mess up, you go even quicker. The next time after that when you mess up, I'm going even fast. You see with me on that? See, I, I, need, I need godly people in my life who are real and honest. I'm not looking for perfect. I'm looking for people who run faster and faster through the cross. Honestly, I need people in my life who are going to drag me faster and faster to the cross. One of my favorite stories in the scripture, and it's almost a blurb, you almost pass over it, but this time when Jesus is teaching in a house and the house is all crowded, and these four guys got a friend of theirs who needs healing, and they can't get in the house because nobody's budging, right? I mean, it's worse than a Metallica concert or so. You know, nobody's moving, right? And so what do these guys do? You know the story. They get on the roof, they tear the roof open, and they lower the guy down. 
I mean, how cool is that? I mean, they're, they're like, no, our friend is getting healed. We're getting him to Jesus one way or the other. Man, I need brothers. I need sisters in my life that say, TJ needs healing. We're not giving up on him. We're not judging him or shaming him. We're getting him to Jesus. Perseverance, character, character, hope, and hope does not put us to shame. I like the King James. Hope doesn't disappoint because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So this idea of sharing the hope of Jesus, the first thing, we, the first thing I want to talk about this morning, <laughs> hope is so much different in the scriptures. Hope is something different for us than it is for how we normally use it. We normally use it as wishing. Oh, I really hope the Browns are going to take the Super Bowl this year, right? You know, some of you have hope for the Michigan-Ohio State game, right? You know. <laughs> Hope is not wanting or wishing. Hope is not wanting or wishing, okay? But hear me on this. To share hope, you have to have hope. To share hope, you have to have hope. Hope is not wanting or wishing, it is certainty. It is expectation. Do we expect from God? I, I, well, you shouldn't expect anything from him. He's gracious and he's kind. He is all those things. You know, he's been good enough to you, TJ. He is. But taking him at his word, taking God at his promises, which is what we're called to do. It's how we live. It's how we exist in this life filled with suffering and pain, how we thrive in this life filled with suffering and pain. We take the promises of God and we believe them. If we believe the promises of God, then God has so much more for our life than what we're settling for right now. We don't expect enough from him. We don't hope enough in him. This is the whole thing, the premise behind this wonderful mission statement that we have, the, the secret key to it, the reason it will either work or it won't work. You cannot give what you do not have. If you do not have a life of hope, you will not be able to share hope with anyone. When you go back to um, the life of Christ, 
and you look at who Jesus is, I mean, he is the hope. We, we talk about that. It is the hope of Jesus, not hope in Jesus or through Jesus even, but it is the hope of Jesus. Christ is hope. When you go back to Matthew 12 and you look at what they ascribe to Jesus, this is who he is, you get these words, taken from Isaiah, by the way, Isaiah 42. But in Matthew 12, it says this, here is my servant whom I have chosen, the one I love in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not quarrel or cry out and no one will hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, a smoldering wick he will not snuff out till he has brought justice through to victory. And in his, names, in his name, the nations will put their hope. What is the hope of Jesus? In, its, in a very basic visceral term, and, and it's going to cry out to some of you here, he is the hope that doesn't snuff out a smoldering wick and he doesn't snap off a bruised reed. When you look at where God is leading the churches into the future, okay, God is saying, my people will be a people that act like me. So if Christ doesn't put out smoldering wicks, we don't do that either. If Christ doesn't snap off bruised reeds, we don't do that either. If Christ is one who turns the other cheek and as they're even crucifying him, he says, Father, forgive them. They don't understand what they're doing. Then that's what we do as well. I understand there's a lot of crazy in the world today. And I understand that there's a lot of bad in the world today. But hear me on this. We are there to love in the name of Jesus. We're not there to condemn. We are there to protect and fight for the dignity of people that don't even know the dignity they have. Now, what does that look like? Does that look like a church that says, well, all bets are off, we just let anything go? Quite the contrary. Quite the contrary. We're a church we're a people, we're sons and daughters of our Father. We say, look, we don't have it all figured out. You don't have it all figured out. Let's go to Jesus together, right? But folks, with the people you have in your life, especially the ones that, <laughs> brother in Sunday school was using the terminology, they poke at you. Anybody have someone in your life that pokes at you? Anyone have someone on social media that pokes at you? Not the good kind of poke that Facebook used to have, but the really bad kind of poke, right? The ones that get you worked up, the ones that hurt you and hurt you and hurt you. I get it. I get it. But folks, we don't snuff out the smoldering wicks and we don't break off the bruised reeds. We have hope. We have hope. All right, I need to fly. I need to fly. We're going to skip Romans 13. Really good one there. Um, 
Love, this is Romans 12. Again, this wonderful book, Hope is mentioned time and time again. Romans 12, listen to this. Love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourself, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Okay? Let me give you three quick things that hope does for us. Hope empowers forgiveness. Forgiveness for the sons and the daughters is not a, um, something that uh, you have a choice in. You just don't. If you are a son of Jesus, if, if he is your Lord, then as he forgave you, you forgive others. Anybody find an easy way to do this? Anyone have it out there? Easy? Forgiveness? Anyone? Yeah. Okay? I mean, Christ came and died, so forgiveness would be possible. He understands it's not easy. He understands that when you have people in your life that hurt you, forgiveness is going to be hard. Hope empowers forgiveness. When you have situations and relationships and circumstances in your life, hope allows you to say, God's going to do something. God's going to do something. No relationship in your life, no matter how hard or strained or broken, is beyond the grace of God. Now, what does that look like? Don't, don't, no, 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 uh-uh, okay? Each circumstances are different. Situations are different. Sometimes there have to be hard and fast boundaries, okay? I respect that. This is not, we are, uh, you know, doormats and we're not wise in how we love. We have to be as innocent as doves and as crafty as serpents in our love. Jesus's words, not mine. So I'm not saying I have a handle on it. I'm saying don't lose hope in those hard relationships. Don't lose hope. Hope empowers forgiveness. Where does it come from? It comes from the Father that says what? While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. If there was hope in that circumstance with me, then there can be hope for the rest of us, okay? Hope empowers forgiveness. Hope empowers, I couldn't think of a better word, so I used a steadfastness. I don't know. It just, uh, we don't just dentist endure, we thrive, we are steadfast, we are faithful. Hope empowers that faithfulness. Hope empowers us to say, I'm gonna stand here and I'm not gonna be moved because God has good things coming. I'm gonna stand here and not despair because God has good things coming. You, you realize you have to fight for hope, right? Hope is not something that necessarily comes naturally to receive from the Lord. You have to fight for it. You have to cling to it. I don't know about you, but the older I get, the worse nights are becoming. It's weird. It's like I'll wake up in the middle of the night at 3 o'clock in the morning, and uh, my mind will start to think about uh, bad things that have happened, bad things that are going on, or bad things that could happen. Anyone got that? And all of a sudden, the next thing I know, I'm thinking, oh, my word. This is really depressing. I'm getting caught up in some despair and some hopelessness. I mean, I've, I literally started uh, putting the Bible next to my bed, not so I could read it before I go to sleep, although that's a great practice, but just so I can in the middle of the night reach out and touch it. Is that weird? 
I don't know. I reach out and I just touch it because it's like, no, God is still good. God is still there. As solid as this book is, God is still there. You have to fight for it. Hope empowers that steadfastness of saying, no, the shadows may look darker, but that's because the light is shining brighter. I will believe it. Love what is sincere. Be joyful in hope. You already had that read to you. The final one, hope empowers righteousness. Okay, okay. This is, and I'm sorry, we're going a little late, but this is important. Because when you look at where Richland County and Morrow County are with the rampant addiction, and I'm not just talking chemical, and I'm not just talking alcohol, I'm talking the addiction to self, I'm talking the addiction to um, religion versus Jesus. I'm talking religion to the way I want things and control and all this brokenness. I'm talking addiction to nursing old wounds, addiction to disappointment, addiction to bitterness, addiction that is just rampant in and out of the churches. You ask yourself, TJ, why do I keep choosing the wrong over the right? Why is it that I, I relate more with Romans chapter 7 where Paul says, it is so hard for me to do the good and so easy for me to do the bad? What's the answer, TJ? How do I get out of it? I, I don't know. I know that God is leading the church in this direction. I believe that. I see it in the healing ministries that are cropping up all over the place, inside, especially outside the church. Things like the Conqueror series that just got done at North Woodbury, Celebrate Recovery, Living Waters, things that are, that are dealing specifically with this idea of the brokenness in me that I've been living with for years. And I'm tired of living with this brokenness. Because I believe on the one hand, I shouldn't be living broken. I need to be living in victory. But the reality is I've got junk in my life that I can't seem to get rid of. Wounds in my heart that I can't seem to get healed. What is the answer? The answer is Jesus. I know it's a churchy answer. But hope empowers that righteousness. Hope empowers it. Hope gives you the power to choose the right and the good over the easy and the wrong. To choose faith and an unknown path over control and comfortable and where I have always lived. Hope, hope, a living hope that allows me to say, God has good things in store for me. I can give up this because I believe I'm going to get that. Does that make any sense? Skip Romans 8. William Carey was a great missionary um, years and years ago. And he got frustrated when people would say, hope in God, hope in God. He got frustrated because it sounded too churchy to him. It sounded too ephemeral, right? He said, what is hope in God? Hope in God is, means you expect great things from Him. That's what hope in God is. So as we get ready to go, we're going to pray, and then I'm going to go over there to the cross and sit, and anybody wants to come up and join me there can, and we will pray over this. But I want you to ask yourself right now, 
where in my life do I need hope? In what relationship in my life do I need hope? In what place, what brokenness, what wounding in my heart do I need hope? There are things in my past that I think I will never see reconciled until I see God in heaven. No, you need hope. Where is it in your life, in your heart, in the people around you that you need hope? And then as as the Holy Spirit leads you to that place right now, as the Spirit right now is leading you to a person a place, a situation, a wounding in your life that needs hope, you ask yourself, do I expect great things from God in that place? And if your answer is no, then just say yes to him. Lord, it's hard for me to see how you could bring anything good out of this, but I believe I say yes to you. Father God, we've come to you with these things, Holy Spirit, that you're putting in our heart right now, these people that you're putting in our heart right now, and these situations that are broken and not, not at all what they are supposed to be. And God, I know that there are places in even my life where I don't see that there could ever be any hope. But God, my hope is not in my eyes or in my feelings, in in what I see around me. My hope is in you, Lord. It's a living hope, a certainty of that you're going to do great things. God, what is it you want to do? What is it you want to do? How is it you want to lead me there? Father, we pray over these situations, these circumstances, these relationships. We expect good things from you because you are the good Father. God, we say yes to you. And you take that yes. Lord, we give this to you in the name of Jesus because he is our hope. We don't have any hope outside him. We share that hope with ourselves and with each other here, Lord, because it's what we're called to do as a tribe. Help us, Father. Help us. We give you all these things in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, amen. You're welcome to come join me at the cross or you're dismissed. God bless you. You may go in peace.